When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Okay, the Brandon Wheat Kings are not slowing down. They've added another one, 8-2 lead on the Edmonton Oil Kings, 12 minutes left in the third period. And Brandon, the uh, Wheat Kings are shooting the Oil Kings 8-2, so there is uh, not going to be an upset for the Oil Kings. They took the first two in Brandon. Then the Wheat Kings rolled into Rexall Place, took three in a row, and they are very emphatically closing out that series tonight. We will close the Oilers schedule out at Rexall Place, not just for the season, but at all time tomorrow evening. The play-by-play will start at 5 against the Vancouver Canucks and the man behind the microphone. We welcome back to Inside Sports, the one and only Jack Michaels. Jack, thanks for making time for me, man. How are you doing? Reed, good evening. How are you? And uh, as you point out, the Oil Kings elimination will mean uh, indeed today was lost Hockey practice of any sort at Rexall Place, and uh, tomorrow will be the last hockey game. So, uh, looking forward to it, and and you know I think the other players present uh, looking forward for a measure of redemption after what happened Saturday in the final battle of Alberta at Rexall Place. And I, I have a hunch there'll be a, a different looking group uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. And they've they've been worked pretty hard in in practice the last uh, couple of days. And they were obviously pretty uh, not feeling good about themselves after the loss to the Calgary Flames. Jack, it's it's been interesting for me. I mean, as you know, Dean Vince and I, he's in our production department, have put together a documentary that's going to air from two to three tomorrow. You and I have been interviewing a lot of people, talking to a lot of people about stories. Most of them related to hockey. Some of them related to curling, figure skating, rodeo, other things that have happened there. But what I've enjoyed tonight, I've got a couple phone calls, a couple emails from people who had a positive experience with an usher or who went to their first NHL game. Great email from somebody who had who had only seen, in the, in the 1980s, had only seen the Oilers play on a black-and-white television and then got to go to a game at Northlands Coliseum. And, and I think that's really cool, just that gathering place aspect of it. You saw your first game, you met a, a friend or someone you had season's tickets next to for, for years or even decades. And I find those stories coming out of the woodwork really interesting, really compelling, really emotional. Well, and Terry Jones actually had a nice little uh, retrospective today, and one of the people he mentioned is a guy I, I think you probably have crossed paths with him, Reed, 
and that's Miles. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I did not – I mean, obviously you have the idea, all right, here's a guy who's probably been around a while, but I, I didn't know he was – an original employee and found out a little background and he and I always exchange you know pleasantries and 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 talk a little bit uh on the way in and on the way out of every single game and and to have that kind of perspective now you know kind of after the fact after 6 years of you know chatting with him uh idly it's 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 kind of interesting you you do you do find out some of the stories behind the people behind the scenes and you know what? That's that's part of a building's history. And when you've been around for four decades and been host uh, to so many great events over the years, and you know we haven't even talked about World Juniors and things of that nature, uh, it's it's you know there's a lot there's a lot of memories that that come along with it. But I I, I do think um, I do think everyone's in agreement that it, it's probably the right time. And uh, while Rexall Place has had its day. I think uh, the tour taken by the players yesterday and those who've had the opportunity to take tours and go to the presentation center, I think everyone's you know equally excited about kind of the dawn of a new era with next year's Rogers Place. Well, and it's been interesting too. I mean, it, Cal Nichols was on the show in the last half hour who was living in Edmonton when Northlands opened in 1974. And that's been cool as well, is talking to Edmontonians who have been through this twice. You know, when Northlands Coliseum was the modern building and, and was right, the... including my predecessor. Yeah. And, and our colleague, Rod Phillips. I mean, that's that's what's been really cool for me. And as you know, Rod and, and Jim Matheson and Terry Jones, we're lucky enough to work and see people on a regular basis who can give us, you know, kind of the perspective that you're talking about, Reed, and who can bring some of these stories to life and, you know, who remind you that... You know, upon arrival at the game, you know, I can't imagine you and I rolling into a game and and seeing people still nailing down the seats and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, it's 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 very interesting, and I you know I have a great appreciation. I think if you're a a bit of a sports junkie like we both are, um, and I, I would still put you a little shade higher on the nerd scale because of that baseball tournament you're running by yourself, but. Um, I digress, but uh, but I think when you, when you have that appreciation for the history, like uh, you and I do, you never get tired of of hearing about those stories. And and um, you know, there's 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 going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of mixed emotions um, tomorrow. I think for the present, I think for the present group of players, there's some real mixed emotions. I get the sense, and I'm sure you've picked up on it as well, Reed, when you talk to Taylor, when you talk to Jordan Eberle, when you talk to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, you get the feeling that yeah they you know they had their share of positive memories, but I think they there's there's some real mixed emotions there because of uh, some opportunities that were left on the table and some opportunities that quite frankly uh, didn't have a chance of of being cashed in. I talked to Ryan Nugent Hopkins today and he was telling me that he'd just like one more shot at having this group together with a with a potential of staying healthy and then see where they can where they can go and what they can accomplish on the ice, and that just never materialized this year in any shape or fashion. Yeah. Jack Michaels joining us inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 8-12. Remember, extended coverage tomorrow, uh, noon to 2, Oilers now, 2 to 3, the documentary, 3 to 5, the face-off show, game at 5, and then we have the ceremony for you after the game as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going to ask you, I kind of hate asking play-by-play guys this question sometime, but I'm going to do it tonight. Do you have a final line 
ready, or are you going to roll with it tomorrow, Jack? No, I'm not. I'm not one of those uh, scripted guys. I, I mean, I I have a great deal of respect for all that you know. Say say Jim Nance has accomplished in his life, and he's. But that's just kind of not my style to have a, a line at the ready or or a bit of a you know a bit of a, a, a catchphrase prepared uh, in the eventuality. I think one of the one of the great things about our game is, is there is no script. Otherwise, I might have had one ready for Sam Gagne's eight points. That would have been <laughs> useful. Um, but, but you know what I mean. Like, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I can't imagine. Um, you know, I, I can't uh, really imagine coming up with, uh, coming up with a line for Rexall Place. It's, it's kind of beneath me and beneath the facility to, to try to script what's going to be going on tomorrow. And there's going to be a lot of emotions, and hopefully we'll have a chance to have some people um, on during our live broadcast. I'm hoping to create a bit of a baseball atmosphere where we can have a couple people drop by and reminisce during the game. Uh, we'll still talk about the actual game, the Oilers and the Canucks, of course, but I think tomorrow is as much about the building as anything. Yeah. Jack, thanks for making time for us tonight. Always enjoy having you on the show. We steered away from the ostrich races tonight, so that means we have to get extra weird next time you're on the show. Well, I think we have to be uh, I think we have to be properly respectful uh, tonight, <laughs> Reed, in light of what's to come tomorrow. But uh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. All right. See you tomorrow. That is Jack Michaels checking in, play-by-play voice on the Oilers radio network, the flagship station of that network, 630 Chet. Always great to have Jack on the show, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be neat tomorrow. I'm not really sure how I'm going to feel. I, I I am not. Would you describe me as an emotional human being, Kellen Kennedy? No. Oh, I'm not an overly <laughs> emotional human being. No, at least not outwardly. So I'm 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 pretty practical most of the time. I got to yeah. go do my job. There's some different uh, responsibilities and tasks I have around tomorrow's game. The, mm-hmm. A big one was doing that documentary, which yeah. is now done. I mean, we're not just going to edit it tomorrow morning. Uh, it's it's ready to go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how I'll really feel once I'm there and probably once the game starts and it's winding down, I'll start thinking more about going to games in that building. But, yeah, I, I, can re- I can't remember my first game because I was pretty little, but I, I still have that feeling that it's really cool to attend an NHL game, even as a 42-year-old man. A lot of times when I'm up there and you know I'm on the, pr- the press box level before a game, I still get that feeling that th- this is cool to be in an NHL building. So I'm glad I haven't lost that, and, and the reason I've been able to feel that is because of Rexall Place. It is 8.15. Uh, we'll catch up with Yari Curry and UC Markkinen when Inside Sports continues. If these walls had ears, the stories they would tell. We got Wayne from uh, Indianapolis. I knew that he was the guy we had to build a team around. From humble beginnings to the last great dynasty. Rexall's last stand. In over the line, McDavid is in. Only on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
Well, I can tell you the Toronto Blue Jays are extremely unhappy as the game ends 3-2 Tampa Bay. And it uh, I'm waiting to see the replay here, and they don't show it. But there was a call overturned that allowed Tampa Bay to get a game-ending double play in the, the top of the ninth. Yeah, John Gibbons was not too happy and was had a really lengthy discussion with the head umpire at the end of the game there. Yes, and it became more and more one-sided as it went on because the umps just started walking off the field. Mm. Uh, I want to see a replay here, though, to get exactly what happened. But uh, Toronto down 3-2 in the ninth. Uh, Greg Zahn is just shaking his head. Greg Zahn's never happy, though, is he? He's got nice suits, though. <laughs> his suits are amazing. This one's a lot more conservative than his. He had like a red suit on opening day. Oh, wait until Canada Day, baby. Wait until Canada Day. He busts out the Maple Leafs. It's great. Uh, all right. I'll try to describe this play best I can here. So the Jays got the bases loaded with one out in the ninth. There's a chopper to third. There's a throw to second base for one out, and then a, a throw while well, he's not even on the bag. And then a throw to first base that is wild. So I'm, I'm assuming they challenged for the the base runner trying to take out the second baseman. Who's that sliding? Was it Martin? I believe so, yeah. We're just trying to piece this together here. What happened was Martin slid towards the bag, but he reached out with his left arm, hmm. and he brushed the Tampa Bay second baseman as the second baseman stepped off the bag to complete the throw. Mm-hmm. The throw was then wild to first. So Martin was already out at second, and then I'm assuming Tampa Bay challenged for base runner interference and uh, was successful. So then they called the guy out at first as well. Yeah, That's how I'm piecing that together without the sound up. Excellent deduction, Mr. Wilkins. Well, I'm not as dumb as I look. <laughs> you know why? Because no one could be that dumb. Uh, all right, UC Markkinen, goaltender for the Oilers on that 2006 team. He was at the Weston today, did a media availability. I got to sit down with him on Oilers Now for a one-on-one, and I uh, was talking to Markkinen about momentum building in 2006. We were pretty much in the eighth spot the whole year to the end and kind of battling that playoff spot. And uh, we get really good players on the deadline, I remember. We get... Uh, Couple defensemen and uh, Samsonov and those guys, and we we felt like we had a really good team, and it's just starting to everything co- comes together in that series against Detroit that we had to had to had to make those wins, and and uh, you know when you get that uh, ball rolling to the right direction, then it's just. Uh, gets bigger and bigger and we felt like uh, we felt like we could we could beat anybody and uh, we almost did what was it like for you stepping in for a, an injured uh, an injured Dwayne Rolison and, and then you know the first game you played obviously was was a tough one for you and the team uh, yeah I remember the excitement and I remember the you know that you just have to live in the moment and uh, you this is this is what you practice for and you you're ready to go and of course haven't played for a while it takes it's it's not easy but but being so close to the guys all the time and see how how hard they battle every day and how how much they they work you you try to put that work in every day before and you might might get the call and then uh, then it happened obviously you didn't want it to happen like that but it happened and 
you try to make the most of it. And I, I, I felt, I remember even that first game, I felt fine. We, we could easily, I think it was five nothing or something like that. But we could, I, I felt like we were in the game for, for quite, a, quite a part of it. Well, just give me a sense of what the the crowd was like. And I mean, as the goaltender, you get to be the first guy skating out uh, under the oil, Derek, leading the team on the ice. What, what is, what was that experience like? Just coming out into the building when it was full. Oh, it was loud. It was loud, definitely. Like you can't, like you, normally you try to, you, you can give. Some some uh, information to your defensemen and talk to them on the ice and you know but it, it, it was totally like you, you could hardly hear your own voice so they couldn't hear you in, in uh, three, five, three to five meters from you so it was it was pointless but uh, yeah you just try to kind of cool yourself down because it was so much energy like so much energy to the, to the players from uh, from that uh, you f you really feel like everybody in the building first of all wants you to win and but they kind of believe that you're going to win so all right and finally i mean you know you're you're overseas why why was it important for you to come back for this week uh Obviously, I, I I I talk to the Oilers when I get uh, get this that I'm still playing, and I'm hoping that uh, we are still playing because there's semifinals in uh, in uh, Finland going on right now. But we lost lost in the in the first round, so uh, so uh, then I I thought that okay, this is perfect. I haven't come back for such a long time, and we've been talk, talking about it that this is something something that I must do, and I took my. Uh, my 14-year-old uh, son with me, who was actually born uh, born here in Edmonton, so it's it's a good father-son trip, and uh, can can show him uh, him him a little places that where he where he lived his first uh, first years and uh, where where his dad played and uh, all, all all kind of stuff. All right, so that's a pretty cool story there from former Oilers goaltender UC Markkinen. So it was Jose Bautista sliding into second base, and, and they're ruling that he he grabbed or attempted to grab the second baseman's leg. So therefore, Tampa Bay uh, challenges, and they have that new slide rule, right, where they don't want guys sliding way off the bag to try to take out a fielder, which I think is a good rule. And uh, quite frankly, dis despite the protests of Blue Jays fans, I, I think Bautista was interfering with him. I mean, you could see his arm reach out and attempt to grab him. The argument was, would have the throw been in time to first base anyway. I don't know if it would have for for uh, for them to get the out and the double play. So it's going to be interesting. It's one of these rule things. I mean, I feel like I'm watching that and I'm talking about the goaltender interference in hockey this year, in the NHL this year, right? Where we have calls where we think, well, it's going to go one way and then the refs look at it on their little iPads and they come back and they announce it totally a different way. Yari Curry still ahead as we take you through your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. We'll uh, go off hockey for a little bit before the end of the show and talk about the Masters tournaments. It starts on Thursday. Craig MacArthur from Blackhawk Golf Club has uh, attended Augusta National, has uh, attended the Masters as a fan, and he has played Augusta National. So that'll be some interesting perspective. I'm looking forward to that. And if we have time, Kellen Kennedy will we'll do a little golf pool, you and me. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You can always text us, by the way, at 630-630.
Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, it's over for the Oil Kings. They lose game 6-10-3 in Brandon. Wheat Kings go on to the next round. NHL tonight, Florida clinching the uh, Atlantic Division by beating the Montreal Canadiens 4-1. The Penguins over the Senators 5-3. Three goals in the third for Pittsburgh. The Sharks shut out the Wild 3-0. James Reimer, a 29-save shutout. New York Rangers edge the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2. In overtime, the Islanders beat the Caps 4-3. So the Islanders clinch a playoff spot. Uh, Hurricanes over the Bruins 2-1 in a shootout. That uh, hurts the Bruins as they push for the playoffs. Sabres over Devils 3-1. That's the final. Uh, Jets and Ducks scoreless in the first period. L.A. is up 2-1 on Calgary late in the second period. Lucic both goals for the Kings. He's up to 19 on the season. Chicago taking it to Arizona tonight 5-1 early in the third period. Kane with his 44th. Andrew Ladd scoring for the Hawks tonight, his 24th. And three minutes left in Nashville. The Predators have a 4-3 edge over the Avalanche. Philip Forsberg scoring a uh, fancy goal in that game that's going to be on the, all the highlight reels. The Blue Jays lost 3-2 in Tampa Bay. As you heard us talking about, controversial ending there for the Jays. I was just watching some uh, John Gibbons postgame. He called it a joke on the uh, Bautista slide into second base being ruled a uh, Inappropriate, and uh, Tampa Bay being given a double play as a result. The Toronto Raptors win tonight 96-90 over Charlotte. Yari Curry, Oilers great in town for tomorrow's big game. I asked him what he's most looking forward to about the gathering. I think that the um, chance to meet the guys again, that's very, very important and, and always the fun, you know, see the, see the guys again, you know, and uh, step on the ice the last time. I think that... Uh, a lot of different emotion, but I, I, I will enjoy it more. You know, I, I can look around the building and uh, a lot of flashbacks, and uh, I, I'm going to take it that way. You know, uh, I think it's going to be a fun night. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, the, the the rise for for the Oilers in that era to go from a team coming from the WHL to a to a dynasty it happened pretty quickly, and it was it was a pretty amazing time. Um, you know, some guys have talked about uh, the the first Stanley Cup. Some guys have talked about well, when we beat Montreal in in '81 or, or, or or even taking the Islanders to a sixth game. Was there a moment for you, maybe before you won the Stanley Cup, where you thought, like, okay, we're starting to figure it out. I think maybe we're getting close here. Well, I, I think that we all figure out that we have a good team together. We all same age, you know, around 20s, you know, great players, having fun, wanted to win. You know, have that focus always, you know, when we stop in, step in the ice, you know, that we have the focus that we want to win every game. People were saying we were cocky. I don't think it was about the cocky. It was just that we wanted to win so much, you know, and do so well and uh, enjoy it that way. And um, for me, from coming to Europe, you know, you know, it was um, not really knowing what to expect, you know, I, because that's what I thought to come over here, play for one year and then go back to, back to Finland because I didn't expect to be here a long, long time. I thought I was too young, too young and not experienced enough, you know, but um, just being around those guys, you know, I felt to be like home and you know, the game was so fun to play and you had so much talent and so much players, good players to play with, you know, and uh, 
A lot of, a lot of memories that way, especially the Montreal beating the Montreal. Of course, it was maybe the first time I realized how big is this winning is here and how good this team is to beat the Montreal with the history they had, you know, and so I think that um, unbelievable. Who, who really helped you? I mean, I find that interesting. You thought, oh, maybe I just was going to be here for a short time. Who, who really helped you to, to fit in or maybe gave you some confidence that, you know, you had the skill set and, and, and the ability to stick around for a long time? I think that uh, my first training camp was in, was in Jasper, but with 70 guys in training camp, hacking, whacking each other, you know, I was wondering what, what's going on. This is going to be my teammates or what, you know, but uh, I, I had a couple of Finnish guys, Matty Hackman, Risto Silton, I was with the team, you know, they helped me out a lot, and, you know, try to explain this is the part of the game, the training camp, you know, you got to just be ready, expect it, some dirty things will come up, you know, just go back and do the same things, you know, and so on. And the language way also, you know, they helped me out. But uh, get past that first training camp, you know, the making a team, you know, then I start to feel confident, you know, that the players kind of took me in. You know, one of the players, one of the teammates, you know, that was very important. The guys were good for me, you know, I had nothing bad to say. Yari, what's your, what's your favorite Yari Curry moment at Northlands Coliseum? Do you have a goal or a game that's still... still <coughs> I mean, I know you won Cups there, obviously. So this is the obvious yeah, one. Yeah. You scored a lot of big goals, too. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of goals, a lot of different goals. But um, I think that uh, able, to, able to do well in the playoffs, you know, play your best games in the playoffs. You know, I think that was a personal for me, the big thing. That, uh, you know, the key games, the key times, you were, you were top of your games, you know. That's, 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 I, I thought that's what, very important for me that to be, be in a good, at the good times. But that your team had that mentality, didn't they, that they thrived on that pressure like you guys love the big games oh yeah we love we love it though we i don't think we were thinking about the pressure or being nervous well i think we more enjoy it this is this is what it's all about and that's so it should be react you know this is all about the, about the game and enjoy those big moments you know that is yari curry more from curry Markin and grant fewer on oilers now today you can go to the oilers now page on 630 chat.com uh texture saying uh, john gibbons is nuts the umps got it right well, you know what? Here's the thing. Bautista, you saw it. He reached out and he contacted the second baseman's leg. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you can't do that. And oh. I, I actually I, I actually agree with that, that texture. I, I, I don't... The only thing I, I can say is that maybe the throw wasn't going to be in time to first. And I'll, I'd have to see it again. So maybe in that case you say, well, it didn't actually... It maybe affected the quality of the throw, but not the timing of the throw. Right? But... Mm. I mean, Bautista could have just probably done a straight slide and not put his hand out at the last minute like he did and contact the guy. Now, he didn't trip the guy or anything, but he did touch him and he did stick his hand out, and you can't do that anymore. Yeah, I've been, Well, you've never really been allowed to do it, but now they're going to call it more. Yeah, I've been following uh, some of the comments on Twitter that Gibbons has been saying in the post-game press conference, and uh, uh, he's definitely not uh, happy about anything, that's for sure. He's, uh, the, the paint is peeling off the walls in Tampa as we speak. How about a little teaser, a little bit from the uh, documentary Rexall's Last Stand that'll be on at 2 tomorrow afternoon. Here's just a quick sneak peek. On April 11th, 1981, the Oilers won their first home ice playoff game, clinching their first ever postseason series win in the process. The Oilers pulled off a three-game sweep of the mighty Montreal Canadiens. 
21-year-old goaltender Andy Moog went from being an unknown to being a playoff hero. Well, 81 was uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind year. That that particular season, I was up and down two or three times at least, and and not really any kind of maturity or poise to deal with it. And uh, the last time I came up, both Ed Meal and Ron Lowe had broken hands. You imagine that playing the last month of your season with your two goalies having broken hands. So they went out and got Gary Edwards in the waivers, and they called me up. And Glenn was uh, Glenn was really patient with me at that point. He realized that his two veterans weren't going to be around, and he was uh, he was patient with me. He gave me starts. Uh, there were some rough nights, but uh, I never felt like it, it held me back. Serge Savard was on the losing end of the 1981 series. And then... That's all you get right now. That's all you get right now. Full documentary, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Rexall's Last Stand. This is Inside Sports presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow as the Oilers host the final game at Rexall Place. Face-off show at 3, puck drop at 5 against the Canucks. AMA safety and sa savings for your family. What's it like to play Augusta National, the home of the Masters? Answers from Craig MacArthur when we get back. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. The Masters start on Thursday. Craig MacArthur is the head golf pro at Blackhawk Golf Club. Craig, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Hey, I'm fantastic. Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. Man, you must uh, you must love the spring that we've had, eh? How are things looking at Blackhawk? Uh, it's been fantastic, yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a mild winter, and uh, everybody's kind of gearing for the spring here and getting the courses open. So, um, yeah, obviously it's uh, it's refreshing, and you know we're going to get going here on Thursday, get our driving range going, and then uh, of course going to follow uh, open next week on Thursday next week. So, yeah, looking forward to getting going here. Now, is, I don't know, how long have you been the pro there, Craig? This is my tenth season, tenth year now, at Blackhawk. So, awesome. Um, yeah, it's been a great run, and um, you know it's such a great facility and a great club and lots of great members. So. Happy to be around here for sure. Is this the uh, earliest open you've ever had in your decade there, or how does it stack up? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean we've had some kind of you know hit and miss springs, obviously, kind of the last ten years. But uh, um, you know you're always waiting for that last kind of winter blast you might get to kind of shut you down and carry into the end of April, first part of May. But it seems like the long range forecast looks good and. Um, all things considered, hopefully, yeah, we get open next week. And um, I mean, everything's in fantastic shape too. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to getting going here. So after about uh, six months of not swinging a club, I can expect to pick it up in a few days and be better than ever, right? Yeah, exactly. right, Craig. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Th thanks for joining us tonight. Um, fun, fun topic. I, I always love when uh, when the Masters comes around because uh, I know there have been other golf tournaments, but for me it kind of wraps up ramps up my interest uh, in, in the season and the four majors are still to come. And and you've had the uh, the uh, opportunity to attend a Masters. Now, what what year were you there, Craig? As a as a viewer. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, get down there in 2012. Uh, I believe that was your Bubba Watson one. I was there for uh, a couple of the practice round days, so Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, got to uh, attend on the Thursday as well. Uh, managed to find a couple of tickets when we were down there. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty neat experience. So what, I mean, look, this is a course that, you know, for me, I've seen on TV since whenever I was old enough to watch TV and kind of process what was going on. What, what was it like for you to see it in person? Did anything strike you, surprise you, once you actually got out there on the course? Um, yeah, I mean, 
like you say, you right, you've been following the terms for so long that you you know the holes, you've seen the tee shots, you've seen the dramatic moments that happen down in Amen Corner, et cetera. But uh I think the one thing uh for me kinda heading into the property was um you know how clean everything was and you know how perfect everything is um the other thing too is the uh the actual kind of layout of the course it's hard it's hard to kind of visualize the actual progression of the holes you know where two tee boxes in relation to one green and you know those kinds of things so when you get to get on the on property and you walk the course you kind of get a sense of you know the flow of the facility and kind of where it where it heads to so that was really kind of a neat thing one thing I want to ask you about, Craig. I mean, look, you, I read all about it, and 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 you get other accounts, and a lot of people say is once you actually walk it, you don't realize what the elevation changes are like, and some of the side hill or downhill lies guys might have. Did you, did you find that once you were actually there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's such a beautiful property. It's uh, Everything kind of feeds uh, feeds down towards Ray Creek, which is at the kind of the, the far end of the property. Um, uh, and it's uh, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of slopes and and valleys, and um, you know, you, with the HD TV nowadays and stuff, you get to see some of the you know some better camera work and camera angles and stuff. You kind of get a sense of some of the slopes and things. But uh, you know, when you're on property, there's nothing like it. And, um, just being able to walk the ground is, is special. So, All right, Craig MacArthur joining us from Blackhawk, head golf professional there. Now, we talk about you uh, walking it and viewing it as a spectator. You also got to play it. So that that is, uh, that is completely incredible. I'm not going to ask you your score. Don't worry, Craig. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when you actually were – hitting shots on it could you could, i mean was there any part of your brain that could treat it like just another round of golf or was it always like oh my god i'm i'm taking a swing at augusta yeah um it, it's hard to describe and it's hard to put into words um it was such an unbelievable experience i mean a being able to be there once and then have the opportunity to play it uh it's it's it was so surreal uh you know it took me took me a while to kind of hey figure out that this was just another round of golf and you're out enjoying the uh uh you know the good weather and such um but uh yeah it's uh i don't know this is one tough one to talk about because it's just such a surreal experience that uh you know it's the bucket list of bucket lists uh you know nothing's going to be able to top that and um you know having that that ability to kind of say hey i was in that spot and i hit that shot and um yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool place. I mean, what? I mean, I could ask you a whole bunch of stuff, but I'll ask you about one view in particular, and that is the uh, the, the the par three number twelve, where you're hitting over the creek to that small green, you know, with the bunkers and the and the trees at the back. What's that view actually like once you're there? Um, it, it's pretty intimidating. It's uh, you know, it's not a long hole. It's it's uh it's 150 yards um you know the day the day that i played it was a pretty calm day so there wasn't a lot of wind uh my caddy at the time just you know hey 150 yards uh hit it at the center of the green and uh there's not room not any room to miss it right you miss it long uh you got a tough pitch back you miss it short you're either in the water or that bunker 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the iconic shot that you see in the on the telecast and uh, in the video games, et cetera. And yeah, to be able to stand on that tee and, and say I hit that shot is uh, something I'll something I'll have with me for for a long time. Was it was it pretty tough to to read the greens in in general? Given, I mean, you're you're you were a first time player out there. Uh, I've never been as <clears throat> shaky on the on the greens as I <laughs> was that day. Uh, the greens are incredibly undulated. Um, you know, it was uh, early in their season when I played in November, but, uh, you know, the greens were uh, certainly still very quick, um, but very, very difficult, very subtle, very undulated. It was, yeah, I mean, um, I didn't make many birdies, that's that's for sure. All right, and before I let you go, I'll just kind of leave it open. Was there any shot you faced that day you played where you were like, oh, I I get it. This is why they keep saying how hard this hole is or why this angle is, is so difficult. Did you have a moment like that? Yeah, yeah um, I, I would say kind of if I was to take it back, there's two two shots in particular that I was really looking forward to. Um, one was the, uh, was the second shot uh, on 13 into the par 5. Um, so I found myself uh, with a good drive off the tee, and I had a... I had a three iron into the green, and um, just be able to experience what those guys, you know, see on a you know, on a weekly basis there, a hanging live ball above your feet, trying to hit it a cut into a, a back right pin, and um, I managed to hit it in the water there, Ray's Creek. So that was uh, that was a that was a great moment. And then uh, number 15, uh, the other par five, you know, where all the dr- uh, dramatics happen on the back nine on Sunday, standing on top of the hill. Um, you know, at the time was you know playing longer, and I think they play in the in the summer. But uh, had a three wood looking down the hill, trying to hit to that green on 15 over the pond is, uh, is something that would uh, you know get your juices going for sure. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah, those are two uh, iconic shots for sure. Well, what what a great experience. Thanks for sharing that with us tonight, Craig and. Uh, Enjoy this week's tournament. I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot to, to, to pick a winner, but a few guys are played pretty well going in. And, uh, yeah, Blackhawk again, when do you guys get going? Well, we're going to go uh, next week. Uh, we get our driving range going uh, Thursday this week, and then uh, we'll follow the course up next next Thursday. I believe that's the 14th. So. Right on. Really appreciate your time, Craig. Keep in touch. Okay, Reed. Appreciate it. Craig MacArthur, head golf professional, Blackhawk Golf Club. Wow, he played Augusta National, home of the Masters. It starts Thursday. Okay, Kellen, we don't have a lot of time. Here's what we're going to do. We will each pick a guy. Whoever finishes higher wins our mini Masters pool. Who are you taking? Justin Rose. I am taking Jason Day. All right. There it is. We'll see if you can get off the schneid. Well, I think I feel pretty uh, uh, comfortable making my choice here because the guy I picked finished tied for second last year. So, Well, I took the world number one. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Craig MacArthur joined us tonight. You also heard from Jack Michaels, Cal Nichols, Mark Lamb, Denny Savard. Fun show. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Some great stories from you tonight. Really appreciate it. So tomorrow, 2 o'clock, Rexall's Last Stand, a special documentary. The Face-Off Show at 3. The game starts at 5. Oilers and Canucks all right here on 630 Jet. It's going to be a busy and fun day here in our grand city. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. 
Oil Kings season is over. By the way, Brandon had 67 shots tonight and beat the Oil Kings 10-3. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.